Do, do. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of human civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams, and I'm pretty sure there's nothing better to watch right now. Nothing. But if you'd like to take this experience up to levels that nobody could even conceive, well, all you need for that is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tankard, chalices, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind, fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine of the day, the thing that makes everybody, everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip, but it happens now. Go. Let me get rid of somebody over here on YouTube. We're already putting you in timeout. Goodbye. Already bad behavior. My God. Well, I'm going to start out with a prediction. Prediction. All right, remember this one so you can embarrass me later when I'm so terribly wrong about it, okay? Here's the prediction. In two years, maybe sooner, the news will be reporting that AI was less impressive than any of us thought it would be. Anybody want to take the other side of that? In two years, the news will say, you know, we thought this would be a much sort of a bigger deal. It'll still be everywhere. Uh, It will be ubiquitous. But we're going to see it as just a new tool. It will not change civilization. It will not fundamentally alter our employment rate. And you won't use it that much because it's too hard to use. (laughs) All they did is find a new way to show us something we can't do. If you can't do complicated super prompts, you can't do much with it. And you can't do complicated super prompts. So it's sort of like saying, you know what? You know what would be great? You could build your own website, start a commerce store, make yourself a billionaire. I don't know how to do that. I do not know how to program my own commerce site. I would have to hire somebody to do that, just like AI. <laughs> do, you th- do you think someday you're going to be able to build yourself an entire commerce site or anything? Do, do you think anybody's ever built a, uh, a website without knowing how to build a website? Do you think that's happened even once? Nope. Nope. You, you, oh, you think so. <laughs> you, you think that somebody just said, hey, AI, uh, go get me uh, a domain and sign up for it and then program this thing. And then it was just up and running? <laughs> there's, there's no way that happened. No, there's no way that happened. I do not believe it. I believe that those people who knew how to do it would know exactly what to use and what to ask for, but nobody else would. There's no non-technical person who built a functioning website with AI. I do not believe that. All right. So two years from now, we're going to say, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, update, still, still waiting for approvals from Amazon for my new blockbusters instant classic, the book that's sweeping the country. It actually is. <laughs> it's actually going to be a really big deal. Uh, uh, you don't know how big it is until it starts getting out there. But what's going to happen is that the reframes in the book, it's already starting to happen. People are already reporting amazing benefits. And when they report that, then, then the book starts marketing itself. Um, but 
We should have the audio book as well as the soft cover any hour now, really. They're both submitted. We're just waiting for Amazon to say yes or to say there's something else we need to do. But uh, we'll, we'll get that done. All right, let's talk about the uh, Joe Biden visiting Maui. Wow. Uh, by now, you probably all know that that didn't go as well as they'd hoped. Wow. Talk about blowing your opportunity. So I saw at least two videos of Biden being chanted at with the F. Biden chant. Uh, one was his motorcade, and another was when he was as some group. And I'm thinking to myself, they know this is the bluest state in the world, right? Isn't it the most Democrat state of all the states? Am I wrong about that? I think it's number one, right? Of all the states, it's the most Democrat state. And in two places, there were crowds willing to chant him down with F. Joe Biden. Now, if, if I had said to you, well, there's no way that Hawaii would ever turn Republican, you would have laughed. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I mean, you know, people don't change that easily. But it's actually within the realm of possibility. Now, if the candidate is Trump, Hawaii will go just the way it always goes. I think you'd agree, right? If it's Trump, they're just going to say, Trump, ah, and they'll just have a, you know, anaphylactic response. So if it's Trump, Hawaii will vote, you know, all Democrat like always. But what if it's Vivek? What if it's Vivek? Do you remember what Vivek's main theme is? Competence. Competence. Simple competence. Picking people who are qualified promoting people who are qualified, and not using other considerations to get in the way of competence. If Vivek comes in and says, if I were president, Hawaii might have looked different, and then he explains what things he would do to make it a more, you know, a more capable situation, I don't know. He might have a shot. He might have a shot. I mean, a long, long, long shot. Long, 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 long shot. But it's actually in play. In my opinion, Hawaii is in play. But only under the only under the specific, you know, Vivek is the candidate, and he make, he makes an argument for capability over politics. If you're a Hawaiian right now, especially Maui, and a politician said to you, look, let's drop the politics. We need to focus on making shit work. How how would you hear that? Forget the politics. We just can make stuff work. Things don't work. Let's fix fix that first. That would be a strong strong package. Uh, probably not strong enough, but interesting to think about. Anyway, so Biden's in Maui, and he gave the cringiest, worst uh, empathy speech of all time. Let me start with an analogy. Um, did you ever have anybody say? Uh, hey, let me show you pictures of my new baby. And you're like, oh, great, I guess I'm going to have to act pretty excited because babies all look alike, but I'm going to pretend this is the best one ever. Yeah, yeah, no, they all look like Winston Churchill uh, crossed with, uh, who's that little Star Wars character? I forget. But anyway, uh, who's the Star Wars character who talks backwards? Yoda, 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 right. Um, 
Um, so if somebody says, look at a picture of my baby, here's what you don't say. Oh, that baby's great. Um, here's a picture of my dog. What? Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Here's another one you shouldn't do. These are just lessons for later. Somebody says to you, oh, my God, I, I have cancer. I've got six months to live. And you say, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. You know, I've got this bunion on my left foot, and that's, that's driving me crazy, too. No, no, no. Don't, don't compare anybody's baby to your pet. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't compare anybody's cancer to your bunion. No, no. No bunions to cancer. Basic stuff. This is basic stuff, people. And if there is a potentially the worst tragedy in American history, that's probably not true, but it's really bad, uh, what you should not compare it to is that kitchen fire you had that one time that was put out in 20 minutes. Yeah, don't, don't do that. If, uh, if there's a potential massive loss of life, which include way too many children, we don't know the details yet, do not laughingly say, your Corvette was at risk for the tiny kitchen fire. All right, am I, am I making my point here? There's some things you just don't compare. Let me give you another one. My grandmother was in the Holocaust. My grandmother had to use a butter churn to make butter. They, didn't even, they couldn't even buy butter. No, no, do not do, not do that. Do not. Butter churn, Holocaust. No, no, don't compare. So that's my lesson for the day. Uh, you know, I just laughed at it all. Well, what was your response to the whole Joe Biden fiasco? Did, did, did you get angry? Did anybody feel angry? Aren't we way beyond it? It just it literally played like humor, like we've gotten to the point where, where we no longer pretend he's capable and now you just send him out to see what he does? You teared up? Really? Disgust? I can't even get to disgust. See, the, the problem is he no longer registers as a capable adult. Are you not there yet? I mean, I do see him as a dementia patient, and, and I can't get mad at a dementia patient. Can I get mad at the people who send him out there? I fucking get, get mad at them. Yeah. Am I mad at the people who put him in front of Maui? Yeah, I'm really fucking mad at them. That was completely unacceptable. You know he should be out of office. You know he needs to step back. But you got yourself a problem, don't you? That instead of getting him a vice president who has some capability, you went full DEI and you got yourself somebody who can't do the job, and now you're fucking stuck. All right. Joe Biden, he's, he's just a dementia patient. I actually have empathy for him. Right. He's done some, some stuff I don't like, but I'm not really thinking about that when I see him. I just think, I just think somebody needs to help you. Somebody needs to be the adult in the room and make that stop. Can we agree this is the last straw? Can we just call this the last straw? Because somebody's just got to call it. We have to call it as done, and I don't believe that the news should be covering him as a president. He should be covered as a dementia patient 
from now on. We, we need to just close that door. Let's stop fucking pretending he's a capable adult. Everybody can see it now. Everybody can see it. Right? And, and politics is separate. Like, let, let's argue our politics over here, but let's agree that we need to treat him with a little bit of fucking dignity. How about? Right? Like, he's, he's not my political friend, right? He's not on my side for a lot of stuff. But when you reach that point, you need a little fucking dignity, and he can't give it to himself. Right? It's going to have to come from the people around him, and it's time. You all see it. Let Maui be the time when the news finally wakes up, treats the rest of us like we can see with our own fucking eyes that he's gone. It's time. You know, you know, maybe they need to keep him in there as a zombie president for some political reason, but we do not have an obligation to treat him like he's an actual functioning adult. Forget politics. He's not a functioning adult, and we all see it. So I don't even know if I can talk about him like a president anymore. He's a patient. He's a victim. He's, he's a victim of elder abuse at this point. Is, is elder abuse too, too far? Do you, do you think that he wanted his legacy to include the Maui visit? Do you think the Biden fucking museum is going to put that video up there for everybody to watch? No. Doesn't help his legacy. Doesn't help his presidency. Doesn't fucking help Maui at all. And you're making a mockery of the fucking country. You're making a mockery of it. So at least the people on the right-leaning news, can you grow the fuck up and stop treating him like he's a, a functioning adult? We can all see he's not. Stop pretending. Stop calling him the president. He barely knows he is. Right. And again, I'd, say, I'd tell you exactly the same thing if this were Trump. If Trump turned into a bubbling, you know, bumbling moron of this nature, I mean, forget about, forget about your opinion of him at the moment, but if he turned into that, I'd be saying the same thing. You, you think if Ivanka and Jared pushed, uh, or Melania, but she's not the pusher, if somebody pushed him out there to like act like that, you think I wouldn't be mad at uh, Trump's family? I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be really pissed if his family treated him like that. So this is not even political. <clears throat> this is absolutely human. And as a human, I, I'm... Uh, I can't respect this. I just can't respect Jill Biden. Uh, Jill Biden. I, I don't have respect for her right now. She needs to do the wife thing. It, you know, the, the politics thing is done. Let's call it done. You need to be the wife. You're not doing it. You're not setting an example for the rest of us. And we notice. All right. <clears throat> well, at least... His Corvette survived. Um, I'm going to make a big thing of this. So, so this will be the theme of my, uh, my show today. The theme will be the national incompetence crisis. You're all experiencing, right? When I say it, you go, oh, my God, true. You cannot do simple transactions in society in 2023. There is nothing that's easy enough that works. You can't rent a car, buy a car, go shopping for groceries, fill your tank, get car service. You can't call a plumber. You can't fucking get anything done. 
People don't return calls. They don't show up. They don't know how to do the job. I've never seen anything like this. And it's not me, right? You're all seeing it. Now, I think it does seem to me that it would be going too far to say that um, you know this is a DEI kind of you know, too much hiring without looking at qualifications. It's probably one of the variables. It's probably one of the variables. But there's something else going on. And I don't know exactly what it is, but let me speculate. Speculation number one. Have you ever seen a 16-year-old today, and then you remember what 16-year-olds were like when, let's say, some of the older people watching were kids? At 16, kids were running businesses. Like, actually running entire businesses. I have a few examples in my head. Right? Running entire businesses. (laughs) Small businesses, but businesses. Now... Think about the things that you would have been trusted with when you were a teenager. Think about it. The things you would have been trusted to do as a teenager. And now compare that to what you would trust a teenager to do today. It's really different. So part of it is I think kids are, um, let's say, living in, let's say, a, a bubble of sheltered kind of experience so that unless you need them to show you how to hook up a video game, you know, a lot of their talents are not translating into the real world. So I think in the old days, children were integrated into the adult world earlier and more extreme. Yes or no? Kids were integrated into the adult world sooner. And so I think what you have is maybe everybody's five years behind what they should be. I almost say should. The five years behind what they might have been in a previous generation. So some of it is just lack of exposure to the real world. Right? Lack of solving your own problems. Some of it is that the school system might be worse. I don't know. So there's a number of things going on. But I would say, if I had to point to one thing that's making us an incompetent country, um, well, two things. Number one, our employment rate is very good, which is really bad news for competence. You know what I mean? Do you get that immediately? Our, our employment rate is pretty near full employment, you know, in, in an economic sense, not in a number sense. In economic sense, when you get around 3 4% unemployment, that's considered fully employed because you need a little 3 4% slop so that if you need to hire somebody, there's somebody available who might be you know, good enough to hire. Once you reach a point where all the good people have jobs... What happens to the next company that needs to hire somebody? They lower their standards because they, they just know they need a body in that job. So it seems to me that high employment is poison um, at some point. At some point, everybody's operating below the capability level, whereas if you had enough people to pick from, you know, the best companies could have really good teams, and it's the best companies that make the biggest difference, Right. So we might have a too-much-employment problem, weirdly. It's a, it's a weird backwards problem. But the other problem, and I think you'll agree with this one completely, everything's too complicated. In other words, every time you add any complication to a system, its odds of breaking go up, you know, like double. Now, you've seen me complain about it, but it looked like I was just bitching. 
<laughs> when I do my live stream, that if I add one thing to it, just any one thing, the odds of failure reach 100%. Every change takes the odds of failure to nearly 100%. So, for example, if I added to this morning process that I would do you know, one extra light or something, it, for three days, the show would be a mess because I wouldn't remember to do it, or doing that would make me forget something else. The, the number of things you have to do just to... Well, let me take any example. Let's say I need, um, I need to get some prescription meds. Right? So I take an anti-acid prescription meds. So what would you think would be the process for getting some medicine that's not very important, you know, uh, anti-acid, it's not a big deal, and, and I take it all the time? What, what should that process look like? Well, I'll tell you. It should look like um, when I need some, I go to some app and I you know, say, hey, I need this again. And then it shows up the next day like any Amazon product, right? Amazon's pretty much next day delivery. That's not what happens. Instead, if I want it delivered, it'll take a week, but they can't guarantee it. Do you think that I'm, uh, I plan, I, do you think I put it on my calendar when I need to redo my medicine? No, because that would be an extra complication. I just, when it looks like it's about done, you know, I, I hold the thing, I go, oh, not too many left there, I better order some, some new. So now I, go, I try to do it online, but they don't give me an option to get it in time. So now I have to go to look at all the other options of, there's the special delivery, and like, okay, that, but that only applies to new, new prescriptions, all right. And then there's a regular delivery, but I could sign up for, I think, the special one where they take it to the parking lot, or the one where you stand in line. And then, you know, after all these complications and decisions, I order it. And then I wait for the notification to come on my phone that it's ready to go get it. But the notification never came. But that's okay because I couldn't get it because my car was in the shop and they wouldn't call me back. Uh, In fact, after four calls and no return call about my car, I was on the verge of reporting it stolen by the BMW dealership. Not a joke. Not a joke. I mean, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I was on the verge of calling the police and saying, look, there's somebody has my car, they're not responding, could you give them a call? See if you can release it. That actually was happening. That literally actually... Now, so, so I, never get the, I never get the text, so I don't know if it's ready. And I never had my car, so I couldn't get it, but that's okay because I can take an Uber. So I sign up to get an Uber, stand in the corner, no Ubers. Uber wasn't working that day. Now, the app was working, but nobody, nobody was picking up my, my ride. So I changed all of my plans, because taking an Uber across town <coughs> is an all-day thing. <laughs> you know, by the time you wait for it, by the time the Uber goes to the wrong place, by the time the Uber accepts and then it cancels before it shows up, it cancels on you. You've all had this, right? So, so I give up on the Uber, but that's okay, because when I ordered the meds, it didn't work for some reason. I don't know why. So I didn't order the meds that I thought I'd ordered. I didn't have a car to drive it there, and I couldn't get an Uber because every fucking thing stopped working. Everything stopped working. But that's okay, because I had a lot of work to do. You know, self-publishing, well, not self, but independently publishing. 
Do you know how many things went wrong trying to sign up for various websites that do different parts of the independent publishing part? Let me tell you what wrong. Almost everything. <laughs> Almost every part of it was broken and needed some kind of fix or you know, pivot or workaround or maybe there's another service that does it instead. Everything. Do you know, most of the time I tried to prove that I, I'm the Dilbert guy. Do you know how hard that is? I go, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying I'm a public figure. I'm the easiest person to identify in the world. You can Google me. I'll go on Zoom. I'll, I'll show you a picture of my uh, passport. I can prove who I am a thousand different ways. Do you know what way they required? The only way that they would accept is if my email address had a business, a business address. Like I, I had to be, you know, Scott Adams at some, some, some company.com. And I only had my own address. I didn't have a business address. I had to hire a lawyer to create a business address just, just to deal with them to get that done. You know, one of, the, one of the things. Twice I ran into that. Now, th- these are just my little problems, so you shouldn't care about my little problems. I'm using this only as an example of your life. When I, when I described my experience this past few days, how many of you said, oh my God, that's, I'm there. I can't get anything done. Every service doesn't work. Everything. It's all broken. Yeah. The, I tell you, Vivek is in exactly the right place. Because the, the Vivek take is that we need to focus on capability and competence again. And we're really not. I, I just don't see people going to work saying, yeah, I'm going to do this right. You know, I'm really going to add the skills. I'm really going to make... It just feels like we've given up on trying to do good work. Anyway, let's talk about some uh, examples of that as we go. Uh, first of all, apparently the, there's at least one cartel in Mexico that has uh, created an elite drone attack group. That's right. The cartels are creating an air force. That's not a joke, people, as Biden likes to say. Not a joke. They're creating an elite unit that's been training for a long time, and they're buying, uh, they're buying suicide drones that they can control sometimes for many miles away. So they, they have them searching for their rival cartels, and then when they find them, they, they crash it and it blows up and kills them. So do you think we should hurry to try to get a military grip on the cartel situation, or should we just wait until they have F-16s of their own? Because I, like, I feel like this would be the time to you know, maybe take care of that. So again, Republicans are talking about going in and taking care of it. Uh, Democrats are not. So Democrats, if you want the cartel to have an air force, just keep doing nothing. All right, uh, there's a uh, Washington Post is reporting there's a new study saying that long COVID lasts two years at least. It's reported in the Washington Post, which is not a credible outlet. Uh, and they're talking about a scientific study, and it's 2023. So there's no such thing as credible scientific studies in 2023. So this is uh, double non-credible. A non-credible news reporting source, the Washington Post, and a non-credible scientific study because they're all non-credible. At best, it's a coin flip. At best. 
Um, so that's all I have to believe about that. I don't believe any COVID-related data. I don't believe anything about vaccination harm or anything about vaccination benefit or anything about COVID harm or anything about long COVID. My current opinion is there's nothing that I could believe. I have no idea what happened. No idea. I really don't. This is not hyperbole. I don't have any idea what happened for the last three years. Does anybody have that same feeling? I don't know what happened. I, I think masks are easy. Masks didn't work. That's the whole story. Um, yeah, it's very disconcerting to not know what I went through for three years. Um, let's talk about Vivek. Once again, I wake up and I look at the trending part of Twitter that I call X. And how often... Now, I can't tell... Is the trending part different for different users? Does everybody get the same trending? Because that's sort of what it's for, right? Everybody should see the same one. So if, for those of you who use X, are you seeing Vivek trend basically every time, or is that because of the way I use X? So are you seeing him trend basically every day or no? Because I am. It's, it's different. Why, why would trending be different for all of us? I believe you that it is. But why would it be different for all of us? So it's trending things they think you're, you'd want to see? Because it should be trending whether you like it or not, right? I don't get that. But anyway, at least for me, I get a lot of news from him. And he makes news every single day, and here it is again. Um, so Caitlin Collins of CNN was interviewing him. And uh, they, wanted to, they wanted to paint him as a conspiracy theorist. So they, they came at it with the pre... Obviously. Uh, this is not mind-reading because it's so obvious. They came with a predetermined uh, frame they were trying to put on him because if it's stuck, then everything else they can stick to it. And the frame was that he's a conspiracy theory believer. There's zero evidence of that. <laughs> not anywhere. There's no evidence he's ever believed anything except facts that are in, in evidence. So there was a story, and I guess it was The Atlantic, which grossly uh, misquoted him. He says he asked for the audio tape, and he couldn't get one. Surprise. They wouldn't give him the audio tape. But he clearly didn't say what The Atlantic said. So CNN, watch how they work together. So The Atlantic, which I would consider the maybe among the least credible, just obvious lie kind of uh, publication. So they go first, and they tell like a really gross lie. They, they misquote him just terribly. And then that allows CNN to use the misquote lie as a basis for asking him, you know, what do you, what do you say to this uh, story? Now, he starts by saying, oh, I didn't say that. That's a misquote. I asked him for the audio. They wouldn't give it to me. So, yeah, no, I don't believe that. Never said it. Nothing like that. So at that point, don't you think the interview should be over? Or at least that part of the interview? But no. Apparently, Caitlin Collins had decided that she was going to push this thing. And uh, I, I won't play it for you, but I'll, I'll summarize it. So I tweeted a summary. Now, none of the words in my summary are anything that they said. 
These are my own words. But if you want to get a feel for how it went, my words will give you the feel kind of quickly. All right, here's CNN. It's Caitlin Collins. Uh, again, these are my words, not theirs. So why do you say 9-11 was an inside job? So that's the thing they were trying to tar him with. They are trying to make him look like he's saying 9-11 was an inside job. And I'm not saying it was or wasn't, but he's not saying that. So CNN says, why do you say 9-11 was an inside job? Vivek, I've never said that. Oh, yeah? Here's a video of you not saying it. This actually happened. This sounds like I'm making it up, right? So to prove that he really did say that 9-11 was an inside job, they showed a video of him talking in which he said nothing like that. Nothing even sort of like that at all. So she shows the video and she says, well, and then she says, oh yeah, here's a video of you not saying it. Then she shows a video of him not saying it. And then, then she says, basically, what do you have to say for yourself now? Like, how do you explain that? And he's sitting there thinking, what, what am I experiencing here? You just showed a video in which I didn't say the thing you said I said. And now you're asking me to explain the video you just showed that showed you're lying? And he's basically just laughing at her at that point. Like, you know, at that point, he's just destroyed her. And watch her face. She, she starts going into the cognitive dissonance phase where she knows she's fucked. <laughs> or maybe she doesn't. And maybe, maybe she's trying to make sense of her world. But she went into this trying hard to embarrass him, you know, with the, I'm, I'm going to drop this bomb and then we'll end the interview and you can't defend yourself. And he just tore her apart. Tore her apart. Um, anyway, and toward the end, he, he put a cherry on top. He says, this feels like the way you treated another candidate. <laughs> he didn't mention Trump, but he just laughed at him like, this, this sounds like the way you treated that other guy. Just making shit up, basically. Again, these are all my words. But, so I watched this thing, and I could, watch, I could watch that for eight years. Give me eight years of Vivek going on every left-leading thing and tearing their fake news apart right in front of them. I didn't think there was anybody in the Republican Party who could even do it. Because you know who else can't do that? Trump. Trump is terrible at defending uh, against fake news. I've never seen Trump once do a good job of defending against all the hoaxes. But Vivek's not going to roll over. He's not going to roll over if they say he said something or did something he didn't do. If Vivek had been accused of saying drink bleach, you know, which Trump also did not say, he, he would have eviscerated them for saying that in public. Trump just kind of said, oh, I was joking, and he let, let it live. That was a total mistake. Total mistake. So the fact that there could be a Republican candidate who would eviscerate fake news while you watch, that could be everything. Because the the public still thinks the news is real. Right? At least half of the public still thinks news is real. We haven't had real news in a long time, at least on politics, but I don't know if we ever have. So after this total debacle in which CNN is just humiliated, uh, do you think that the people on the left saw it the same way I did? Do you think my, my interpretation of CNN being humiliated in, in, on live TV, do you think that's what they saw? Or is it possible, cognitive dissonance, that either I'm insane, and you could check for yourself, I suppose, see, see if I'm the one in cognitive dissonance, or 
would it be Mehdi Hassan, um, who said, he, he, he plays the video, or actually he retweeted Vivek's tweet about the interview, because Vivek was so happy about it, he wanted to retweet it, because he did so well. And then Mehdi Hassan, who's very associated with the left, uh, he tweets it, and then it is, he says, Mehdi says, but the question was, is 9-11 an inside job? And you didn't say no. Now, if you didn't see the interview, and most people are not going to click on it, wouldn't you say that that's a pretty good point? That, somebody, that, that she made a direct accusation, asked him a direct question, and he didn't answer it? Wow. Except he answered it directly. Directly. Because she, she pointed out that he wasn't answering it directly because he had instead spent time uh, eviscerating her fake news. So when he was done eviscerating all of her fake news, because he had never even talked about the... Con- he'd never even been on the topic. <laughs> so just hold this in your head. He had never even spoken in any way about the topic of it being an inside job. So he talked about how nothing like that had happened in the real world, and then she gets him with, but you didn't deny it. He did not deny it. He never even talked about it. <laughs> it, it wasn't... I mean, it just wasn't even a topic. So then, realizing that, you know, she's got this little gotcha, that like, hi, you're not denying it, you're not denying it. He denies it directly and in clear words. And then Betty Hassan tweets, but you didn't deny it. No, he denied it directly, directly, and with clear, clean words with no ambiguity whatsoever. Well, you wouldn't know that if you just read the tweet. So... When you, when you see him force his, let's say, political opponents into just a ridiculous box, you don't want to see that for eight years? Or, or do you want to just see people uh, tell you that you're a Nazi because you support Trump? It, it's really clean. It's really... I, I hate to say it because I, I, I love Trump, you know, a lot about him. You know, he, he's the OG... Uh, you could only have a Vivek if there had been a Trump, in my opinion. So, I mean, Trump gets a lot of credit from me, but he is far from a perfect candidate. We, we all agree, right? He can't do this. He can't do this. He can say, fake news, fake news, and it does work. I mean, he, he did convince half the country that the news is fake, and he was right about it. Uh, and I do still like you know, Trump's policies generally. You know, he seems to be... Um, he seems to promote policies, for the most part, that make complete sense, as does Vivek. But Vivek can do this. <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I always think of the Avengers. You know, when I think of the Republican Party, I think actually Vivek said something like this. But you think of the Avengers. There's, there's a uh, famous line in whichever Avengers it was. You'll tell me, probably. Do you remember when they said, uh, we have a Hulk? It was like one of the funny lines in, in the series. But we have a Hulk. That's what I think whenever, whenever Vivek is on TV. Because Vivek is the Hulk. Like, he's the one they don't want to talk to. <laughs> Do you know how much they don't want to talk to Vivek? You know, they have to, because he's, he's too important. So he's, he's impossible to ignore, which he did himself. He made himself impossible to ignore. Uh, but... 
Yeah, it's totally Vivek smash. Vivek smash is what it feels like. Anyway, I'm liking Vivek more every day, if you couldn't tell. Uh, I'll say it again. We need some kind of a TV show with high production qualities, which is important. Just going through all the hoaxes that the media has presented. Now, they could do both left-leaning hoaxes and right-leaning hoaxes, but man, do we need that. We, we just need to be the, the hoax show, all right, the political hoax show. Then you could take clips out of it, and every time you're on social media and somebody says one of those hoaxes, you just play that clip. How useful would that be? But I don't know. I just need somebody to make that. All right. Um, uh, here's another theme. I'm going to see how long I can push this. The, the negative comments about Vivek from Republicans have a certain quality to them that, in my opinion, are a racist dog whistle. And I have mocked this whole racist dog whistle thing forever. It's like, that's not a racist dog whistle. It's just a fact about immigration, for example. But uh, I gave you some examples yesterday. But here's another comment somebody made about Vivek. It doesn't matter who, it's just a critic. Um, says that Vivek is over-polished like Obama. That's the criticism. He's over-polished like Obama. How does that sound to you? Uh, am, I, am, I, am I being too woke? You tell me. Am I being too woke? Or is that obviously... You can feel a little whistle there, can't you? Like, I feel I can feel it. But I, I'm not a mind reader, so I, I don't know what's in the mind of the person who tweeted it. But watch, keep an eye on this, right? Keep an eye on this. Because there's a whole bunch of people who don't want to say, I'm uncomfortable because he's brown. But you know they exist, right? You know they exist. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, I don't know if it's a thing yet, but uh, it's, anecdotally, it's kind of bothersome. Um, Tucker Carlson had uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor on uh, to tell us that everything the media is telling us is a lie, that uh, Russia is actually strong and winning, and uh, Ukraine is actually weaker than we think, and losing. They're running out of people, and we're going to end up with uh, Americans fighting Russians if we keep on this path. Does that sound to you persuasive and credible? Plausible? Oh, little troll, who says, only Scott is virtuous white. Well, you're in your own little world, and I'm going to make sure you're not in ours anymore. Goodbye. Go back to your little world. All right. So here's my take on Colonel Douglas McGregor, who I've heard before saying similar things, but he got a bigger platform for this. Um, How does he know? How's that? How's that one guy now? Uh, he's the only guy who has the right information. Is he in Ukraine? Does he have secret sources? Yeah. Now I'm not saying he's wrong. Right. So I, I'm not offering a criticism of his opinion. It could be right on. I don't. I don't really know because I'm not in Ukraine. I don't have any sources, and I wouldn't trust any sources I had. 
Do you think there's anybody in Ukraine, anybody, or anybody in Russia, anybody, who is telling you an honest, an honest opinion of what's happening as opposed to a spin? Now, if you talk to individual soldiers, they're only seeing their little part of the war. So if they say, my little part of the war, we're losing, it doesn't really tell you much. My little part of the war is all incompetent. Well, maybe it is. It doesn't really tell you that much. Right? So you can't get news from individuals who are fighting. I don't think that would be dependable at all. They would only know their little corner. You can't get news from the government, because they would all lie, you know, Ukraine and Russia. You can't get news from the news, because the news is basically not allowed in. So where is he getting his information? Why, why is his information better than your information? Do you, do you think he has sources that are the good ones and nobody, nobody else has figured out who his good sources are? What, what is he not telling you? He's got all the good sources, but he's not sharing. Is that happening? Isn't there something terribly suspicious about this whole thing? Right? How in the world could he be so confident of his opinion? Which is very favorable to Russia. Now, I'm not, I'm not making any kind of accusation. That, that sounded like I was. So the, the, the overall statement is, you can't believe anybody about Russia or Ukraine. The, the fact that somebody is a, a notable military analyst, that doesn't mean anything. It literally means nothing. It's 2023. All news about wars is fake. So if he's got a secret source, maybe... If he's just smart enough to you know, read, the, read the situation and kind of knows what's fake and what isn't because of experience, maybe. Yeah, it's entirely possible that his, his filter of just being experienced is actually seeing this perfectly accurately. So I'm not going to rule out the... the um, I won't rule out that he's perfectly on point. I will only say, why would you believe it? Like, why would you believe that? Even if he's right, why would you believe it? There, there's, no, there's no signal for credibility. You say, well, he doesn't have a history of lying. Nope, not good enough. That doesn't mean you know about the unknowable. Uh, he's, he's a military guy, respected colonel. Doesn't mean a thing. If he doesn't have the information, he doesn't have the information. And why does he have better information? So... He might be entirely right, so I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying that if you believe it because he he has the position of somebody who might know what he's talking about, that's not good enough anymore. It's just not good enough. If If he showed sources that you could check, then that would be very good. But if he's just opinionating about who's stronger or weaker or where it's going to go, has anybody ever been able to predict something like this? You know, this is a little, little bit like COVID. The Ukraine situation will either go, you know, more for Ukraine or more for Russia eventually. Right? At some point, history will say, well, one of them chose correctly and one of them didn't, probably. And then half of the people who were on that side, but they were just guessing because nobody had good information, are going to say, I, I knew it, I, I told you all along. Because that's the way this works. <laughs> if it's a binary you'll always have people who said, I told you. Whenever there's a yes, it'll happen, or no, it won't, the people who get lucky 
are pretty sure it's skill, and that will never change. And if you, if you suggest to them, you know, it was a 50-50, right? So whichever way this went, half of the country was going to say they were geniuses. There's no way around that. Half will say they were geniuses. Well, all right, enough about that. All right. Um, do you think that Ukraine is going to run out of people and uh, will the U.S. Uh, Americans will be on the front? Let, let, me, let me say this as clearly as I possibly can. If America decided to go directly against Russia, as in American soldiers shooting at and being shot at by Russians, that's civil war time. <laughs> you might as well just say Russia won, because we're going to fucking go after our own country if they do that. Right? If my government starts a fucking war on the ground, or even in the air, I suppose, with Russia, we're done with our government. We, we have to get rid of them right away. So let me say it as clearly as possible. January 6th, I don't, I don't think that was a nothing. I think that was a protest. But if you want an actual revolution, start me a fucking war with Russia, and I'm going to be armed and in the capital. All right? That's a red line. We're not going to go to war with Russia. Because the citizens, we will revolt, and we will do it violently. Let me just say it directly. War with Russia is a violent revolution in America. And I'll sign up first. <clears throat> we'll, we'll be armed and driving to the capital. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go to war with Russia. All right. There's your clip for the day. All right. Um, what else we got? Um, I have an observation for you that's going to blow your mind, I think, a little bit. I tried this out in the man cave last night, so you guys, some of you have seen this. But on uh, Bill Maher's show, Club Random, where he has you know, a little smoking and drinking and uh, casual conversation with a variety of people, he had Vivek. So Bill Maher was talking to Vivek. And it was fascinating. I really recommend it. I mean, it's hard to watch the partying part of it because it's just a little uncomfortable, frankly. But <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of it myself. But um, you have to watch it. And here's what's interesting. Um, Bill Maher clearly respects Vivek's uh, intellect. That comes through very, very clearly. He also seems very confused why Vivek could believe some of the things he believes. But it's also clear to, let's say, an observer who knows what the hoaxes are, that Bill is in a TDS, still believing hoaxes. He still believes that that there was no... um, that there was not a peaceful transfer of power in, in 2020, or that there was a risk of no transfer of power, that, that the January 6th stuff uh, was a risk to the peaceful transfer of power. Now, I consider that a form of mental illness, temporary, you know, TDS, something you could recover from. But to me, that looks like mental illness. Because how in the world do you connect the dots from somebody doing some paperwork over... Uh, a, a alternate set of electors, which apparently has happened in the past, the worst-case scenario is it would end up in the courts, like it has before. And then the court would say, hey, these electors are either valid, in which case everything was fine, or they're invalid, in which case it's reversed. We were never in trouble 
because the paperwork is the paperwork. We, we have a bureaucracy that takes care of this stuff. You make crazy claims, and then the court says, oh, that's a crazy claim, get out of here. So we were never, we were never even in the domain of a, of a non-peaceful transfer. There was a question of which way it would transfer to, but that would be settled by courts with no bullets or anything. And we would have all pretty much accepted it, especially if a conservative court said, get out of here with your claims. So, but anyway, that's not what I was going to talk about. The, uh, um, there was a lot of interrupting. So uh, when they would talk, neither of them uh, are ones who back down. So they're both, uh, I'd say they're both highly capable and I don't want to say aggressive, I'll say assertive. So they're both very assertive verbally. So you put two assertive verbally people together and they, they end up talking over each other and interrupting continuously. And I've, I've made this observation before that I've done a lot of media interviews and a lot of them with people who didn't agree with me. I don't get interrupted. And I've been trying to figure out why. And he was getting interrupted like crazy. And I feel like if I'd been in that same interview, I wouldn't have been interrupted. And I'm trying to figure out why that was, and I finally had an insight. And it goes like this. If you don't acknowledge the point of the other person, they're going to interrupt you until you do. And it's your own fucking fault. Right? If you don't acknowledge what somebody said, and you just talk about something else, they will interrupt you, and you deserve it. The reason I don't get interrupted is that I'm very fastidious about making sure that the person who made a point I don't agree with, I, I speak it back. Okay, well, what you're saying is this. Once, once they know that you heard them, they can now listen to what you have to say. And they'll also trust that when you're done saying what you say, you'll give them space to say what they say, especially if you model that once or twice. So... Here's a uh, suggestion to Vivek. He was in a very casual conversation situation, but he never left campaign mode. Campaign mode is you say, somebody says, what do you think about X? But your answer is something about Y. And he kept doing that. Now, as much as I love Vivek, and he's, you know, he's, he's just intellectually gifted and communication better than anything we've seen, he does have one problem with his communication. He does not repeat back what the other side said or acknowledge it in full so that then they can listen to him. He does a great job of talking over and getting his point through anyway. So he's got, he's got sort of a, a Trumpian you know, energy monster kind of thing. So Vivek is good with energy. So he uses his energy to at least make his side think he won conversations, right? So the talking over is part of a dominance alpha kind of thing, and you definitely pick up on that. He definitely looks dominant. He definitely looks alpha when he's doing the talking through and talking, interrupting. But, and you can, you can go a long way with that. People do respond to that, the acts of dominance, as long as it's not obnoxious. Uh, but he could go to the next level. He just has to say, all right, Bill, what you're saying is that you believe you know, this. And your source was probably that. But l- let me tell you another source perhaps you haven't seen. Now, people will listen to that. That's why I don't get interrupted. It's, it's just basic 
um, persuasion strategy that if you don't let the other person say their whole thing, the whole thing, the way they want to say it, and then acknowledge it back to them, you can't get anywhere. There's no point in having the conversation. Yeah. All right. So I would say if you, if you feel yourself getting interrupted, the question you should ask is, are you doing your part? So the, the great, the, the aha here is that the getting interrupted is something you bring on yourself. So think about it. Next time you're watching, if you watch this one, you'll really see it. So watch the Club Random with Vivek and Bill Maher, and, and watch, watch how often that's true. Vivek's answers were great. He just wasn't acknowledging what Bill was saying all the time. That, that cost him, I think. Well, you know, it's not enough to repeat what they said. Sometimes you have to actually uh, accentuate it. So, if, for example, if somebody said, you know, blah, blah, you know, somebody lied, instead of just, you know, talking about something else, it's way, more, it's way stronger to say, you know, all the politicians are lying. Yeah, that, that probably is a lie. Now, blah, blah, blah. So, good example. All right. Uh, yeah, you have to acknowledge their thought. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have much else today. Is there a topic I missed? I got a late start today. Uh, I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. It works except when you're talking to a narcissist. Mm, I disagree. I, I actually think it would work with a narcissist. I get that that's the highest degree of difficulty, but I think it actually would work. Because the narcissist wants you to acknowledge their point. I think it does work. In fact, with a narcissist, I would even take it a little further. I would say, you know, that's, a, that's an insult, insightful point, and I don't think everybody is paying enough attention to it. And then you give your, your, debu- your debunk. Um, oh, Hawaiians become Republicans. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, the window's open. All right. Did you talk about Nick Fuentes? No. Is he making some news? I didn't say any news about him. Uh, Ronan Farrow did a hit job on Elon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Seriously? Wow. Wow. You know, uh, how, how does that strike you? Do, do you think with the, what the country really needs is a hit job on Elon Musk? Is that what we need right now? You know, Ronan Farrow has done apparently great work in the past, so you know, we can respect his work, but... Is that what we need? Is the country better off for that? Wow. All right, that's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> restrictions. So Alex Jones says there's restrictions. Here's what I think. I think that there are definitely bureaucrats talking about restrictions. Definitely people in the medical community. And the reason is cognitive dissonance. If you were a medical professional who had been 
pushing you know, mandates and masks and stuff. And at the end, you found out you were wrong about everything. Your cognitive dissonance probably kicked in and told you you were right about everything. You better do it again. So I understand why people would talk about it. Here's what I don't think would happen. I don't think you can pass the political filter. So this is why I'm not worried about the restrictions coming back. I believe that at this point you could get 100% of the medical community to say any bullshit you want, because they seem to be all, you know, it's 99% cowards in the medical and uh, uh, science professions. And when I say cowards, that's probably unkind, because they actually would lose their jobs. (laughs) I guess it's easy for me to say because I already got canceled. So, yeah, I'm one of the few people who can say, well, maybe you should say what you're thinking, even at the risk of your career because I literally did that. But it's not really reasonable to expect people trying to pay the bills and feed their family and you know, help the public with their medical experience. It's not really, you can't really ask them to risk their lives. But the politicians are subject to the voters' opinions, and if the Democrats started pushing restrictions with a presidential race coming up, you tell me the odds of that happening. Go. You tell me the odds that the Democrats, from a purely political perspective, would allow mandates in the context of a presidential race. No. <laughs> no way. The first time, maybe. Because the first time was, you know, fool me once territory. We're, we're squarely in fool me twice territory. Once you get to fool me twice territory, you've got a political problem that you're not going to solve. So if you're worried about the mandates, I mean, I suppose we should be a little worried, but there's no way that passes the political filter. And yeah, I can't even imagine it. It's unimaginable at this point. It would be political suicide. And, we, and the Republicans wouldn't need to talk about anything else. Republican, a Republican could just say, I know you don't like all of my policies, but I'll get rid of your masks. You got my vote. All right. Uh, RNC debate is coming up. I forgot to talk about this. Uh, Larry Elder has been blocked out of the uh, RNC debates for the weirdest reason. Uh, One of the requirements to qualify was that you had to show a certain performance in at least one major poll. He submitted his performance in the Rasmussen poll, and they rejected it because the Rasmussen poll, they say, has too much of a Trump connection or flavor or influence or whatever. Now, don't you think it's a good argument to say that they've had some of the best uh, polling on the presidential races? It, which Larry did. Yeah, that was his defense, that they're, they're among the best. And there's a very long list of polling companies. Rasmussen is always in that top tier. Uh, give me a fact check. Is that not true? Tell me that's not true. I believe they're always in the top, you know, at least five or ten or something, and they're out of a long list. So he got so Larry Elder was uh, denied because of the Rasmussen poll that that wasn't good enough. Now the Rasmussen poll <laughs> has a little bit to do with my personal history, so I might be a little sensitive to this question. But uh, this is unacceptable. The Republicans need to fix this. Republicans, you need to fix this. 
Yeah, you, you need to put uh, Larry Elder on that stage or change your rules. Either change your rules or put him on the stage. Uh, but this is not cool. Not cool at all. In fact, I think the other candidates should rebel against it. I, I think the other candidates should insist he be included. Because it's a big stage. Nobody's going to get much time anyway. So why would, you, why would you fuck with your own team over something like this? Now, I don't think it's racist, but it's certainly, it's certainly wrong. All right. I think that's all I have for today. Uh, oh, by the way, the uh, uh, Reframe Your Brain, the audiobook is submitted to Amazon as well as the soft cover. I don't know when they're going to say yes, but all of our work, I think, is done. So maybe today, maybe tomorrow... You'll, you'll have both the audiobook. The audiobook is not in my voice because my dyslexia was uh, too great for me to record it. By the way, here's a, a tip for dyslexics. Do we have any dyslexics here? Or anybody who has uh, a child who's dyslexic? Um, if you do, and there's a reading problem, uh, consider teaching them speed reading. Because speed reading is sort of, which is something I learned when I was very young. Um, now, I'm not like an expert speed reader. But the, the basic, well, I'll give you an example. All right, I'll take one of my own sentences here to speed read. Let's see if I can pick one. Um, all right, so here's one of my sentences I wrote to myself. I said, I'd watch a program that explained all the political hoaxes of the past several years and how they were done. Now, if you're not dyslexic, you read this in the order written, each word just in the order. If you are dyslexic, the words jump around. But if you speed read, you're looking for the keywords and then you're assembling them in your mind. So I'd look at the keywords and I'd like, uh, program political hoaxes. Yeah, I'd watch that. Program political hoaxes. So that's how I would read this. If someone else had written it, I would say, uh, something the program about political hoaxes, that sounds good. And then I would just keep reading. So uh, just, this is just a wild idea. Just try it. See if you can, uh, if you're dyslexic or you know somebody who is, try not reading the sentence in the order. Try picking out the keywords and then Yoda the sentence. Do you know what I mean by Yoda the sentence? Here's what I mean. Yoda the character would say, he wouldn't say, uh, the boy hit the ball. Yoda would say, ball hit by boy or something like that, right? He would, he would reverse the words. But you know what he's talking about. Because if there's a bat, a boy, and a ball, you kind of immediately, yeah, boy, bat, ball, he hit the ball, right? So speed reading is pick out the keywords, assemble them in your mind, you know, unyoda them, and then just decide what that must have said. Now, if there's a sentence where it's like a key sentence and you know you really got to get that one right, well, then you stop. And if you go slowly enough, you know, you're fine. Um, (laughs) I don't know what that comment is about. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's also a way to print things so they're easier to read. That really works. There's an example on the uh, Locals platform going by 
of a paragraph in which part of each word is highlighted, but not the entire word. And because we tend to read the first part of words, but not necessarily the whole word, because you know what the rest of the word is, right? That just looking at the first parts creates a landscape in which the words are further distanced from each other. Does that make sense? If you only highlighted the first two or three letters of each word in a sentence, and you looked at it, the highlighted parts would be pretty distant from each other, and probably distant enough that you wouldn't mix them the way you would with a regular packed sentence. So, because you don't need the rest of the word, so if you see refrigerator, you know, R-E-F-R tells you it's refrigerator, right? Because you can also tell how long it is. So, that might actually be really interesting. I, I would imagine that you could write a program. Oh, I wonder if anybody's done this. I wonder if anybody's written a program that changes regular text into that uh, highlighted first part of the text thing. That would be useful. It would definitely increase your reading. John Q. Public is yelling at me in all caps over and over again. Can you say Mensa Moron? LOL. Can you say Mensa Moron? John Q. Public. John, you're drinking a little bit early this morning, so I'm going to put you on timeout. Goodbye. That morning drinking is not working for you. All right. Um, he's sipping box wine and watching my broadcast. All right, YouTube, thanks for joining. Yeah, Prigozhin's still in his RV, traveling around. Uh, I've talked about X blocking. Yeah, well, let me quickly. The X uh, getting rid of blocking, wait to see what they come up with, because they're coming up with an alternative that has not been described. So I'm not going to say yes or no until I see the alternative. It might be better. You never know. All right, that's all for now, YouTube. Thanks for joining.